0: Yeah. He shows mercy to all, all those you fear Generation. Generation. down.
1: Welcome.
2: Today marks the final Sunday of Lent in what is traditionally called Palm Sunday in the church calendar. It's called Palm Sunday for the palm branches that were laid down in front of Jesus as he made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, marking the final days leading up to his crucifixion, death, and resurrection. As the crowds laid down their cloaks and branches down to honor him. They went before him and behind him, shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Matthew tells us that this took place to fulfill what the prophet Zechariah had foretold about our coming king, which we will read together this morning as our call to worship. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud O daughter of jerusalem behold your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation is he humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey let's go to god together in prayer jesus you came to us into this world in great humility and with great authority in mercy and power compassion and forgiveness, in truth and in love. You are our humble King, so we look to you this morning, rejoicing in the midst of our sorrow, hopeful even in the midst of our despair, taking heart, knowing you have overcome the world. Lord Jesus, meet us, heal us, renew us, fill us in this place as we worship and welcome your presence here. Amen. As you are able, please stand as we sing.
3: For wealth and treasure
2: We have during Lent in the confession of our sins. Confessing sin is a deeply countercultural act we do together. It is us talking to God about our need for forgiveness and change, and at the same time, it is a communal protest, a protest against systems that are powered by arrogance, self justification, blame shifting, and deception. Confession frees us from our own judgment of ourselves, which is often way too light or way too harsh. So let's pray now and put ourselves under God's perfect judgment and mercy. Lord, you are our God, and we are your people. Whom do we have in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that we desire besides you. Our flesh and our hearts may fail, but you, O God, are the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. We take refuge in the shadow of your wings. We feast on the abundance of your house and drink from the river of your delights, the fountain of life. We have all that we could ever want all that we could ever need in you. So forgive us, God, for when we forget who you are or we don't trust who you say you are. We confess that we forget you when we look to people's approval and material things to give us our sense of worth and security instead of the beautiful identity we have in Christ. We forget you when we lie, slander, and cheat. When we withhold forgiveness, patience, and generosity. When we hold on to our old ways of arrogance, envy, and bitterness. Lord, forgive us for choosing into a life and identity apart from you. We praise you, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. You search us and know us. You know when we sit down and rise up. You discern our thoughts from afar and are acquainted with all our ways. So, Lord, search us and know our hearts. Try us and know our anxious thoughts. Holy Spirit, reveal the ways in which we've grieved you and lead us along the path of everlasting life. Let's take a moment now to be quiet before the Holy Spirit as he reveals specific sins in our lives. And let's use our own words to confess and repent of those things. We do so knowing that as Scripture tells us, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness and mercy. God, we also come to you this morning, our hearts heavy with much sadness, anger, and confusion, as we remember the precious lives that were lost in Nashville this past week due to yet another school shooting. We bring our pain before you. We bring the families who lost their loved ones, the friends, neighbors, and community members who grieve before you and ask God for your mercy. We ask for your comfort. We ask for your healing. We ask for breakthrough against all the evils that assail us here on earth, for deliverance from sin that causes so much suffering. Come soon, Jesus, to heal the whole world and make all things new, just like you promised. Church, as God is speaking to us, even as we are speaking to him, Let's respond by taking a moment to pray again in our own words about people and things on our minds these days with many voices and prayers, but with one heart and purpose. I will close us after a moment. your people, made in your image, the sheep of your pasture whom you love. Make us and mold us into the church that you promised to build and use to share Christ's love to all of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Peace of Christ to you all. Every Sunday we do what is called Passing the Peace of Christ. It is meant to be a way of expressing that the peace we receive from God, we also give to one another. Today, we're going to do that very simply. You can say, peace of Christ to you, to just one person or maybe two people around you. You can catch up and have a longer conversation after the service. And if the person is new to you, we encourage you to introduce yourself after service. But for now, let's simply tell each other, peace of Christ to you. And in a quick moment, Pastor Steve will come up and talk about some things happening in our church.
1: Good morning. Um, good being here with you today. Um, the Peace of Christ, I mean, it's really nice, but that's. I feel like it could be longer. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's so good being here with you. Um, if you're visiting us for the first time, welcome. Uh, yeah, please stick around, linger after the service so that we can connect with you uh, uh, better in person. Um, I want to highlight a few things that are happening in our church community, uh, and then we'll have, uh, before we look at God's Word, um, we've been doing this, uh, I guess, uh, monthly uh, since the fall, and uh, we've been praying for um, friends of ours to come to know Christ or come to have new life in Christ. And so, if you haven't done that, there is this QR code. You can simply go on, and it just asks for your name, your friend's name, and what we, the pastors, do uh, each week on, on Fridays is is we get about, I don't know, maybe six seven names and we just pray over them and so we are praying with you um, as you pray for your friends so um, if you haven't done this yeah please go ahead and do that and so we'll take some time after i'm done uh, giving us some announcements we'll take some time to pray together this coming friday is good friday um, it's a time when we remember jesus the sacrifice for us we call it good uh, traditionally because. What He accomplished for us on the cross is good. And so we get to gather together to celebrate Him and His sacrifice for us. This will be a joint service with our Tyson's uh, site community. And we'll be here at 7 o'clock this Friday. So come on out. Uh, There will be uh, um, some singing, scripture reading, prayer. Uh, I think Esther, uh, who leads worship at Tyson's, will come and lead worship. Um, if you have friends who might be interested in, in visiting us that uh, this coming Friday, please invite them. Again, it will be a sweet, beautiful time as we focus on Jesus and His sacrifice for, for us. And then next Sunday is Easter. Um, something our church uh, does yearly is not um, Not only do we celebrate Easter Sunday, we do that. And we, we sing and we share. Again, we talk about the gospel and we'll look at the last chapter of, of Gospel of Mark. We'll do all of that. But we also celebrate what we call a season of Easter. So that's 50 days after the resurrection. And so in the traditional church calendar, the early church celebrated Easter season. So during this season... We're going to celebrate. So if you kind of think about, we've been remembering or going through the season of Lent. So Lent is um, mourning, taking all things that are not um, of, of God. Well, Eastertide is actually putting on the things of God. And we get to celebrate and rejoice. And, and hopefully we could do that well. I was talking with Pastor Carl about this. And I think generally in our culture or even Christians, um, we're better at grieving. We're better at confessing our sins. We're better at kind of lamenting. We're not very good at celebrating, like even when Mina was um, leading a song that talked about like celebrating and joy, like I don't know. I was like, are we actually celebrating and being rejoiced, uh, uh, rejoicing? And so we're gonna take 50 days to do that, and that's gonna include a sermon series. We're gonna talk about how we can bless others by being blessed since we've been blessed by God, how we can bless others. We're going to have, in the middle of the Easter season, we're going to have baptism. Um, uh, we're going to have uh, yeah, lunch together. Um, so we're, we're trying to create 50 days where we get to celebrate, and hopefully we could do that well. Uh, this kind of s- sounds silly to kind of talk about. Let's celebrate well, but I think we, we need to do that. Um, next thing, uh, we've been announcing this for, for a few weeks or even a few months, I think. It's uh, our marriage conference. I just want to highlight that this is for our church community and your friends. And so, um, yeah, this is not like, it's not a huge conference where we'll be in the midst of, I don't know, a thousand people. It will be an intimate, like, conference. It will be Friday evening, and then we go home, sleep, come back Saturday. We spend the whole day Saturday talking about Um, being a better husband, better better wife, how we can communicate better, how we can resolve conflicts better. And so if you're interested, if you're married, or if you're engaged, you're welcome to sign up. Second thing that I want to say about this is, this is going to be fun. I kind of went through this, and it's fun. I mean, really, it's really fun because you get to kind of talk about like all the ways that you're not good at being a husband, and, and you kind of laugh at each other, and like I don't know, it was fun, so I want to encourage you to come out. Whether you've been married for a year or 10 years, uh, I think this will be helpful. Um, Mental Health Seminar is coming up on April 16th, and this is a part two of a seminar that we're doing. Um, And this coming uh, seminar is titled, uh, Why Am I the Way I Am? Identity Formation, Mental Health in the Church. And so, uh, Daniel Pyong, who is a professional counselor, he's going to talk about how our past experience have shaped us uh, in, in how we think and and what we feel. Uh, and he's going to talk about how—well, we're going to together talk about how we can bring the gospel and the church can bring sense of healing in the midst of um, all the pain that we sense from our past. So— I think it will be a good time. Uh, I know the session one I wasn't able to participate, but I heard really good thing, things about that. And so this is part two of that seminar. So please come on out. That's um, April 16th, uh, 2 p.m. through 3.15 p.m. I mentioned the baptism service already. That's happening on May 14th. If you do want to get baptized, we uh, have a class that you need to go through, and that starts on May, uh, uh, April 9th. So actually, um, this week is the last week to sign up for this baptism class if you are interested in getting baptized. Again, this is uh, sort of the climax of our ministry calendar. We get to celebrate new life and what God is doing in midst of uh, our church community. Um, we give uh, generously and cheerfully, and uh, we don't collect uh, in person. But if you like to give, we collect. Uh, you can do that through online. Um, so in a minute, we'll pray for the offering as well. But before I do that, I want to introduce um, one of our brothers. Uh, he's going to come up and share about his experience uh, being part of the men's retreat. Uh, we've been, during this land we've been going through something called Better Together, and then coming out of COVID and just coming out of past few years, I'm just just remembering or reminding one another that it's good being together. And so we had a men's retreat about two weekends ago. Um, I thought it was really good, good time. Uh, and so one of our brothers, our Brother Chen, is going to come up and share about his experience there. So, all right, there he is. Let's clap and welcome him up.
4: Hello. Okay. Um. Hello, church. Um, my name is Chen, and I've been attending GCCC for about, like, the past six months. Um, so, yeah, I'm still relatively new to this church, but Pastor Carl asked me to share a bit about my experience at the men's retreat, so here I am. Um, when I initially signed off for the retreat, I wasn't really sure what to expect, um, since this was my first retreat with this church, and I didn't really know many people going there. So, um, But I was still hoping, yeah, to get to know Um, the church here, the people here to worship God and also um, to experience better together as a community. Um, And yeah, during the first night, uh, we were told to talk to someone you don't know too well, and I got to meet Jared for the first time. Um, I really appreciated the time of us just like sharing our testimonies with each other and how God has worked in our lives. Um, And yeah, also just had the opportunity to talk to some other folks uh, over the meals and board games um, The retreat also really encouraged us to be vulnerable with each other. Um, And, yeah, I feel I got a lot closer with my brothers, um, Sun Jun and Bing, um, as we were just more intentional with each other and shared about our struggles and prayer requests. Um, This is something I've shared in my small group as well, but uh, I feel Pastor Thomas' message really spoke to me personally and even answered a prayer I've had for the past few months. I think one way God is challenging me in this season of life is to love his church and to be more involved with his community here. So tying back to the theme, Better Together, I feel very blessed and encouraged from the retreat. Uh, even though it was just less than 24 hours, um, I feel I experienced what it means to be better together with other followers of Jesus. So yeah, I'm still relatively new to this church, but I hope I can get to know the community and the people here better. And yeah, I also encourage you to do the same. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's, let's pray
1: together. Um, we could pray for um, our friends uh, that, uh, whom we are praying for, that they would come to know Christ or experience new life, life in Christ. Um, we could pray for um, our Easter season that's coming up um, and how we can press into just experience more of Him in our life. So let me uh, give us just maybe 10, 20 seconds to do that. Say that prayer for yourself, and then I'll pray for us as we uh, look into God's Word. Thank you, God, for reminding us already of so many things that you have done and are doing in our life. Thank you for Chen and his testimony of just experiencing community and what it, what it feels like to be a part of your body. Um, that's our prayer. That's been our prayer for a few, uh, few months now. As we've been talking about how it is better, it is to be better together. And so, God, we pray for all of us who are here, as well as those who are not here today, that you would deeply remind us that we are part of your body. Um, Lord, we want to pray for our Easter season as we celebrate Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday and enter into a season of Easter. We pray that you would renew our commitment, our desire, our devotion to you. We want to pray for today as we look into your word. We pray that you soften our hearts and speak to us. We offer up our offerings to you. We pray that it would bring you pleasure and that you would use it to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark, so right, we're in Mark chapter 14, so if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Mark chapter 14. Um, what I'm going to do today is we'll, we'll look at verses 1 through 25, so we'll look at, I'll read a portion, we'll, I'll make some comments, uh, read some more, we'll make some comments, and then afterwards I'll uh, make three points for us uh, today. So Mark chapter 14, uh, we'll start from verse 1. Mark 14, verse 1. It was now two days before the Passover, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest Him by stealth and kill Him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. All right, let's pause there. Give us a context. So since chapter 9, Jesus actually has been thinking about the cross. So, the gospel of Mark, we kind of divide the gospel of Mark into two sections. One, chapters 1 through 8, answers the question, who is Jesus? Who is Christ? And at the end of chapter 8, there's this declaration by Peter, you are the Christ. And then starting chapter 9, Jesus now begins to intentionally, explicitly, talk, he talks about suffering and death. And that started in chapter 9, and he's walking towards Jerusalem with his disciples. And then chapter 11, he actually enters Jerusalem. There's people who've gathered with palm branches, calling out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And from chapter uh, 11 through the end of chapter, chapter 16, is Jesus is in Jerusalem around the temple. So, and, and then chapter 11 and 12 are just basically Jesus arguing with religious leaders in the temple talking about um, and rebuking their religiosity without true devotion. And so, we come to chapter 14 here and he is now, the, the, the passage tells us, he's now two days before the Passover. Um, so, the, during this time, Passover was a, a gigantic feast that all the Jews celebrated together in Jerusalem. So if you could imagine just thousands, probably millions, Josephus, who was a historian, the first century Jewish historian, tells us that in one, one Passover, there were a million Jews or three million Jews that gathered. And so this is a gigantic feast where people from all over are coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover and the unleavened bread, feast, feast of the unleavened bread. So what we have here is the religious leaders, starting chapter 11, they, they're in this conflict with Jesus, and they want to take him out. But they also know that they can't do it in front of people. They can't do it in front of other Jews because some Jews thought that he was the Messiah, and so they're beginning to think um, and, and try to come up with a plan of how to kill Jesus without causing this commotion and riot. So that's where, where we are. So verse, uh, verse 3, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining a table. A woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? But well, this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. So let's pause there. So Jesus is in Bethany. Bethany is a city or town that's about two miles away from Jerusalem. And when Jesus entered uh, Jerusalem in chapter 11, Bethany was his sort of home base. And so he's been going back and forth from Jerusalem to Bethany. And he's now at a place, house of simon the leper and this person probably was a leper who was healed by jesus um and jesus here is dining with his friends basically and the parallel passage in gospel of john talks about how tells us there were there was um uh, lazarus and and martha and mary and so what we have here is one of jesus's last like meals with his closest friends and his disciples and you could kind of imagine like, they're having a good time, they're, they're connecting, they're eating good uh, food and, and laughing and enjoying. And in the midst of all of that, a woman comes in. She's unnamed in the Gospel of Mark, and I think purposely, this unnamed woman comes in, and she brings in an expensive ointment. Now, in the ancient culture, they didn't have shampoos or soaps. Uh, they didn't even have toothpaste and toothbrushes. Um, they actually used ointments and perfumes to take care of bad odor, right? And so every home had some kind of perfume. So that when guests came, they would use that ointment, one drop here, one, another drop there, to get rid of the stench because people have been outside walking on dirt, and so they come in. So this is not uncommon, but what is uncommon here is this lady brings in an expensive perfume. Um, in the Greek, the, the, how it's phrased, is kind of awkward because the original language has, I think, like five adjectives to describe this expensive perfume, meaning the, the, Mark is basically saying this was an extremely costly perfume. And later in verse 5, where we read how it, it, it was, what, 300 denarii. So in the back in the days, A, denarius was a day's, worth of wage. So if you work a day, you get a, a common job, you get one denarius. So this woman brings a perfume or an ointment that's worth 300 denarii. That means this is probably about a year's worth of wage, right? Like you've worked your whole, like, whole year and that's how much this perfume costs. So in your mind, just think about your year, one-year salary. You know, whatever that is, just keep that in mind. So that's what this lady brings in to Jesus. Um, but it's not just a year worth of wage because it takes much longer to save that amount, right? And especially in this culture, women didn't have that kind of opportunities to make that kind of money. And so how did she have like this expensive perfume? Most of the scholars say, This was probably a family heirloom. It was something that was passed down from generation to generation, something that they treasured greatly. It was not only expensive monetarily, but it was also significant sentimentally, right? It was something that they treasured greatly. And here she is, she brings this expensive perfume, and it's not that she just drops, you know, pours a few drops here and there, or not, or, or not even like a half of a jar, but she breaks the whole jar as to say, I'm giving everything that I have to you, Jesus. And it breaks, and it flows down Jesus' body. The parallel passage in Gospel of John, it talks about how this lady, the perfume came all the way down to Jesus' feet. And she used her hair to wipe his feet. Worshiping and adoring. I mean, that's what's taking place here. And seeing this, other disciples, other people around her, rather than like marveling or commending her for her faith or her worship, they are angry. They scold her. it's, it's kind of, I think, I mean, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about why would they be angry like this? And I think it's something like this. Um, when you have kids, and you tell kid, your kids, don't play inside the house. Like, we have some expensive things here. Don't, don't play inside the house. And let's say your child, you know, doesn't listen, or maybe this happened to you when you were young. Like, doesn't listen, and, you know, they're throwing, like, balls or wrestling or something, and they knock off an expensive vase, let's say. Like, as a parent, you go, what are you doing? I told you not to do this. Are you are you I don't know? Are you crazy? Are you dumb? Are you foolish? What are you doing? Are you not listening? I think that's what's happening here. Like these other men, other disciples, all the people who are here, they were furious. It's asked to say, Lady, young, young lady, you don't know what you're doing. What are you doing? This is foolishness. I, mean, I think that's the that's the sentiment of what's taking place. They scold her. They, they tell her, you don't know what you're doing. Why are you wasting so much money? But that's not what Jesus says to her, right? So verse 6, 6. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. We're thinking this is foolishness, or this is childish, or, this is ignorant. Jesus says, What you've done is beautiful, it touches me, it moves me. And then he says, What you what you've done today will be told, so that everyone will know <laughs> um, like what, what what took place here. And obviously, Jesus, when Jesus talks about the poor here, he's not talking about that he doesn't care for the poor. There are plenty of places where Jesus talks about how his followers need to love the poor and serve the poor. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about how soon he will be no more. And somehow this woman had an insight about where or what was was going to take place in two days. So Jesus here commends her and she says, What you've done, what she's done is beautiful. Let's finish the, uh, this passage here. Verse 14, uh, verse 10, excuse me. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised them to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. And in the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and say to him, one after another, is it I? And he said to them, it is one of the twelve one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man to have not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. We'll stop there. just Just a quick note there at the end. It seems like Jesus is waiting after this last meal with his disciples. It seems like Jesus is waiting to have this meal with his people. Here he says, I will not drink again the fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So in some sense, you know, when Psalms 23 talks about God prepares a banqueting table before us, Jesus is waiting for us to come so that He can have His feast with us. Now, here are my three points, okay? Um, Number one, following Jesus is more about intimacy than proximity. Mark is very intentional, and I think Pastor Carl talked about this, how he arranges texts. Actually, when you look at chronologically in the Gospel of John, this this narrative with the women took actually place six days before the Passover. But how Mark is telling the story, is he's telling about the, the Jewish leaders. And Judas and their betrayal, their desire to kill him. And he places this story about this woman right in the middle to say, here is true devotion. This is what devotion and discipleship looks like. In the midst of his disciples, especially Judas, although they've been with Jesus for three years. But I mean, think about this, Judas had a... Heard all of Jesus' sermons. He's seen Jesus' miracles. I mean, he's seen Jesus raising the dead. He's seen Jesus feeding the 5,000. He's seen the the cripple walk again. He's seen these things. He's seen it because he was with Jesus. But there's no true faith. There's no true devotion. So, point number one is just because, and this this is a point to those of us who grew up in the church, like me, you know, like pastors and leaders of our church. Point number one is proximity, or even I could say activity doesn't equal intimacy. Think about this lady. I mean, again, Mark is telling us. Again and again, Judas is one of the 12. Verse 18, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Verse 20, it is one of the 12. He's emphasizing that within his inner circle, those who were with him for three years, one of you will betray me. But here's this unnamed woman. And again, Mark is very intentional about this. He doesn't name, give her a name to say she was nobody. She was on the outside. But she was the one who came and recognized something about Christ, where she gave all that she had to him. Do you remember uh, there's a passage in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus is talking about how some people at the end will come to him and they will say, Lord, Lord, I've done this for you and I've done that for you. And then Jesus says, I never knew you. In other words, you never really knew me. You've done all of these things, but I truly didn't know you. And I think that's what's happening here, right? I mean, Judas is with Jesus, but he didn't truly know him. There was no intimacy. There was no real relationship with him. In the Gospel of John, actually John does give us this person's name. Uh, Her name is Mary. And it's the same Mary who actually sat at Jesus' feet. Uh, listening to Jesus and Jesus commends her, right? When her sister Martha is kind of busy, and you know, uh, Martha comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, can you tell my sister Mary to help me to prepare the, the, this, this feast? And then Jesus says, um, Mary has chosen what is necessary or what's, what's the best. Mary sat in Jesus' feet and he heard, she heard Jesus' words. How do you develop intimacy? It's when you spend time with someone and you actually listen to that other person. And I think that's why Mary here recognized that Jesus was going to die in two days. See, Jesus had already told the disciples multiple times how he's going to suffer and die. He's told them. But no one no one got this except for Mary because Mary's the one who actually heard Jesus. She heard, uh, she heard Jesus. Um, The very first parable that Jesus teaches in the gospel of Mark It comes in Mark chapter 4 It's about hearing, it's about listening Jesus starts the whole parable by saying, listen Um, And then he ends that parable by saying He who has ears to hear, let him hear It's a parable about the sower and the seed Jesus says, I'm going to speak God's word to you I'm going to speak the words of life to you But some of you will have a heart that's hard Some of you will be overcome by tribulation and and hardships in life. Others of you will be filled with anxiousness and worry. The deceitfulness of riches. um, the, The desires for other things will choke anything that I will say to you. And I think we could presume that that's what took place in Judas. Judas Actually, when again, when you look at the Gospel of John, the person who said, "Why I, why this wage? This could have been sold and given to the poor?" Gospel of John says, that was judas who who said that. But judas, his heart was filled with desire for wealth. And so anything that Jesus spoke to him about didn't really sink in. Friends, is our following, is our Christianity more defined by intimacy or proximity? I was thinking about this, and uh, I've been married for 23 years. Now that sounds really old. <laughs> I should have said that, actually. but old. And that's easy for me to remember because um, I, I got married uh year 2000. So I just, it's, it's the year 2023, so I've been married 23 years. Really simple. Uh, 23 years. And... Um, you know, I came to this church when my kids were young, like little. Like You see the kids here, like little. Now they're all grown up, and like they're moving out of the house. So I have two out, and then one is a senior in high school, and she's. I feel like she's already out. I, I, like I, I don't know where she is half the time, you know. So it's kind of weird because it's kind of like my wife and I, we got married and had our kids pretty like early, and they just consumed our energy and this is when I was in Philadelphia. Uh, we did a church plant, so that kept us busy for the next six years. And then we, we came here to this awesome church, you know, Great Commission Community Church, and, and serving here. And my wife was actually on staff for a season and just busy, right? And busy, and kids are doing things. And then now, like, past, I want to say about a year or so, like, wow. Like, we have uh, there's a lot of, like, space around us now. And I'm like, i like, Oh maybe we should start talking to one another <laughs> like like because for a long time uh, for parents who are here like you know the, your kids take so much of your energy and you're listening to your kids all the time and it's like sometimes like the horizontal talking back and forth with your spouse it gets sort of like lost and so we're like oh man we better like we got to like work on this more and so that's what we've been trying to do um, i think that's how our relationship with Christ works We could be so busy with so many things or maybe we could fool ourselves thinking, oh, we're doing well because we're around Christians or around Christian activities. But that's not how intimacy works. Right? Intimacy works when you actually spend time listening to one another. Friends, we gotta gotta slow down however that looks like in your life and actually listen to Jesus. He has... Words for you. He wants to speak into your life. Following Jesus is more about intimacy than proximity. Number two, following Jesus involves saying yes rather than playing it safe. So this lady, woman, Mary, took risks. Right, There was social risk. Uh, Women weren't supposed to dine with men in this culture. Um, She took Familial risk, her family, if this was actually her family heirloom, I mean, can you imagine what her sister and father, uh, people would have said? What are you doing? And she took, obviously, financial risk, right? All of her savings, everything that she knew she had, she poured it out before Jesus. And, And how about imagine this passage going? Now we don't have Mary's words recorded for us, so we're not really sure exactly what she was thinking. But she demonstrates plenty, and so I think what she's thinking, she recognizes, realizes, Jesus, Jesus's death is coming. We don't know exactly how much she knew, but, but she she anoints his body. Jesus says for to prepare his body for the burial, and so she, I think she understood something, and 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 as she is observing Jesus, she recognizes that Jesus will be no more after a few days and so there's this desire in her heart to like to display her love for christ in some some capacity and i would, i imagine how as she's she's thinking and maybe praying and 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 going back and forth in her mind how she could do this i think the holy spirit probably prompted her in her heart mary how much is jesus worth to you well, Mary probably responded, He's everything to me. I'll go and show that to Christ. And she said, Yes. This is really important because oftentimes our Christian life, um, we're too passive. You know, we, we know that God is leading us to do this. But rather than actually taking a proactive, intentional steps towards this, we just kind of think, oh, it's okay because I thought about this. Or maybe I prayed about it. I, I think it's all right. I mean, let it, let it go, let it, let it go. We just kind of move along. Friends, if that's how we live the Christian life, it's going to be a boring life. You will not have any testimonies of God's faithfulness in your life. Recently, we had a, a meeting with our leadership, and and um, you know we're talking about how hey, can we have more testimonies of like what God's doing in people's lives? It would be great for us to hear what God is doing. So like what Chen did here today, right? Hey, here's what I learned from uh, the retreat. Like it would be great for us to hear more of that because that's what we need in some sense. And then I think one of uh, one of our elders kind of mentioned you need two things for people to actually come up and do that. One, you need people to be vulnerable, right? Hey. Here's what God's doing in my life. I'm not perfect. This is my struggles. But hey, God is good, right? That's, you need some vulnerability. The second thing we need, though, is we need actual testimonies. Like something to share. My guess, and I'm, I'm part of this, okay? My guess is even if we pass around this mic and say today, right, hey, we're going to pause our worship, and we're just going to go around and talk about God's faithfulness in our life. I wonder how many of us will kind of say something that's like, you know, I took a step, and this is how God showed up, and this is what I learned about God. My guess is very few of us. To be honest, a lot of my testimonies of like God's faithfulness and moving in my life in power, like happened many years ago. Okay, I'm, that's a little uh, embarrassing there, but it's true because we can, pl- if we, if we just play or live our Christian life safely, how does God intervene and show himself to be faithful? So friends, just today, sometime today, maybe even now, just think, is there something that God is prompting you to do? I mean, it obviously it doesn't have to be sell your possession and, and give to an organization. It doesn't have to be that. Maybe it's Maybe God is prompting you to walk across that hallway or I don't know, uh, that your yard and talk to someone who you know is struggling. Or maybe it's just simply texting someone that you know that's, that's I don't know, not doing well or maybe you're in conflict with. You know, like the Holy Spirit is kind of prompting you, you know, you should do this. There are a, few, there are a couple of things that, that I, I know that I need to follow through. Is when we take those steps, when we say yes like Mary, God shows up. And that's when we begin to build testimonies. That's when we begin to feel like Christian life is beautiful. That's when we begin to, our testimonies multiply. That's what Jesus here does, right? Your, your work of, your, your uh, deed of faithfulness or worship, adoration will be known. Whenever the gospel is preached, your story will be told. I mean, that's, this is how our Christian life ought to look like, right? And so we say yes, yes to Jesus in small ways. And then he will lead us to say yes to bigger things. And lastly, and briefly, and and we'll close. Number three, following Jesus is about adoration, not calculation. Um, According to Matthew's account, Judas uh, would sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Now, in that culture, in that time, 30 pieces of silver bought you a, a lowly servant. And so Judas, in his mind, calculated that Je- that's what Jesus was worth. I think that's often how we can approach our Christian life as well. right? We could say, hey, I'm going to church. Um, God, I'm giving you this much, and I expect something back. I hear at times they would say something like, you know, I'm trying to read the Bible, or I'm trying to pray, I'm coming to church, But I'm not getting much out of it. When we begin to think that way, we'll slowly um, stop doing what we know we're supposed to do. That's not how Christian life works. (laughs) That's not how it works. There's no calculation here. If you begin to calculate your life or how much Jesus is worth, then you don't get it. There's no adoration. No, we live for God because He is worthy. You don't go, God, I'm going to give you this much so that you can bless me. No, that's not. That's religion. Christian life is God. You've given me everything that you have. So then in response, I'm going to give you as what I can. And again, it could be something small. A few weeks ago, we looked at a, a widow who just gave two copper coins. And Jesus looked at that and said, oh, she gave more than all these rich people. It doesn't matter how much you give, what you give, but it's giving out of adoration, recognizing who Jesus is. There, is, there shouldn't be any calculation in following Jesus. We will never, ever, 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 ever repay Him back. He has delivered us from death to life. He's called us His sons and daughters. We've been adopted into His family, friends, Christians, brothers and sisters. Take that calculator out. There's no, calcul- there's no calculation in the Christian life. Again, if you begin to calculate, Huh, I'm going to church I'm serving. I'm reading this. I'm reading that. I'm doing this, and I'm not getting anything in return. That's when your Christian life will slowly go downhill. Married friends. That's how marriage works too. Initially, you go, "I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you." And then along the way, you give. You give. You're giving, giving, and you begin to think, "Well, I'm giving so much, but man, my needs are not being met." That's how marriages start to. Like trickle down, fall down. I mean, it's that's how it works. But that's not what God has called us to do. We're supposed to adore Him. And it's in adoration. We give what God has called us to give. Um, just how do we how do we adore God? Just I, I don't know if this will help, but um, well actually, this is how why we have Sunday worship services, right? We're singing. And we're gonna have communion soon. We're adoring Christ. we're We're meditating, we're looking, we're gazing at his beauty. psalm twenty seven we enter the temple, we're gazing at his beauty. And as you gaze at his beauty, our hearts begin to change. Now that takes some discipline because it actually takes it takes some time to come actually, and gaze and turn your face towards him. But it happens. An example is this is kind of silly example, but <laughs> hopefully it helps. So I've been looking at used car to uh, buy because um my youngest child my daughter got into an accident nothing serious you know and it wasn't her fault actually when i got there like i was worried that she called and she said oh i got into an accident I was like, oh my gosh what so i'm like i drove there and she's like she's like all smiling and she's taking a selfie with her phone in the i mean the car in the background she's texting her friends i'm like oh my goodness so nothing major She's fine. I said she just I don't know, feel like she really enjoyed that process for some reason. I don't know. Um, I think she liked the attention. Um, don't tell her that. Is it getting recorded? All right, take that out. Um, but anyway, so I've been looking at cars, right? Just you know, something that they could, my kids could use for I don't know, maybe two three years. So I'm looking at these like old cars, right? Like 2010 Chevy uh, Cruze. Like, it's, like, 13 years old. It has, like, 130 miles, and, like... But I'm looking... Initially, I look at it, and I go, man, this is junk. Like, I don't want... This is but I look at it, and I look at it some more, and I read the description, and I go, oh, I look at the color. I go, oh, I look at what it has, the, the trim level, and like slowly my heart's like growing. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like t- 2010 Chevy is Pretty nice. Wow. I'm like looking at it, more researching, and like my heart starts to grow, and my heart starts to become attached to this car. I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I should get this, and, and I text the person, and the person texts me back, and go back and forth and i decided not to get it by the way but uh you know i mean but that's how it happens you know why because i'm gazing at something It, it, it happens that way so here's my application is gaze at christ is that too silly i don't know like the the point is gaze at him gaze turn your face towards him maybe that looks like reading scripture. Maybe that looks like worshiping through song. Maybe that looks like walking, taking a walk and looking at nature. But somehow, allow your heart to gaze at Him and adore Him and recognize that He is worthy. And as your heart grows, the Holy Spirit will prompt you, hey, take this step or take that step as you listen to Him. If we could get there, Christian life becomes exciting because God, we really sense what God is doing and how God is leading us. We're going to end with communion. And um, again, this is time for us to gaze at His beauty, at His sacrifice. It's not um, a coincidence that all this is happening, chapter 14, 15 is happening during Passover. The Passover in the Old Testament was literally an angel of death Passed over Israelites because they had slaughtered a lamb and put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. So when God, the angel.